think what I value about our generation is that we, we look at work and life and we try to find a balance. We had so much respect for the generation before us that were known to work, 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 work. And I think our generation brought to the workplace not, not an, un, an unwillingness to work hard, but rather a different approach to work. The Gen X generation has a feeling of self-independence sometimes. They have problems in their lives, as we all do in our lives. They tend to want to solve those problems themselves and have the responsibility of doing that. And I admire that generation for being able to take the task of taking care of themselves. I learned from boomers about the importance of work. The Gen Xers in my life have taught me the importance of work and family life and self-care kind of together as that balance, that ebb and flow. I think somebody from the boomer generation may have looked at a job as been that if you got a good job, you just kept it and you grounded out and you worked hard and provided. And I think our generation probably looks at it more like, I want to enjoy my job, so if I don't like this job, I'm willing to take a risk, leave this job, and pursue a new career path that I enjoy more. Gen X generation in my career were the hardest guys for me to work with because they were brutally honest, painfully honest at times. But what I appreciate about that is I needed it. I needed somebody to just tell me like it is. Don't try and mess around or soft pedal something. Sometimes it was hard, but it was always good and always real and something I needed to listen to. And I also appreciate the fact that our generation Gen X brought casual work wear to the workplace. Because I wore suits for a while, never liked it, and I was happy about the khakis and polo thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I'm selfish, but you know. The thing I appreciate most about the Gen X generation is that they have given people in my generation more time to spend with their family because our parents aren't as focused on their work. Aww. <laughs> kids. <clears throat> Amber and I were part of a life group that was made up of uh, late boomers and early Gen Xers. And we were on the other side of that spectrum. Uh, I was born in 1980. Uh, I won't say when my wife was born. Just trust me, we're right on the other side of that. So we're either very late Xers or right at early Millennials and, and so much of who we are today as people, as parents, even as servants within the church, it was kind of shaped and molded uh, by these folks that were from a different side of a generation than what we were. We shared life with one another. We challenged one another to a, a deeper faith. We served our community together. We celebrated milestones and, and even mourned losses with one another. When we experienced our, our miscarriage, um, it was this group of folks that came right over to our house. They sat with us. They cried with us. They brought meals. They shared our, our pain. And they walked with us through this hard time in, in our lives in many ways, that group, like many of our life groups here at Sherwood Oaks, that group embodied our passage today, a passage that, that really speaks to the heart of what Christian community looks like, but then also it speaks the heart language, 
I think of the Gen X generation. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Uh, If you are new to Sherwood Oaks, if you're new to the Bible, uh, welcome. I know this book can be a little bit difficult to navigate and know where everything is. Romans is in what we call the New Testament. New Testament starts with the story of Jesus' life and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the birth of the church in the book of Acts. And then Romans is a letter that was written back to one of those early churches that was in Rome. Uh, and it just is packed with great information for us. So if you are pulling out your Bible or your Bible app, it's kind of late in scripture. You can see where it is on mine. Just hang on to it and we'll get to our text here in, in just, a, just a little bit. We're in the third week of our series that we are calling Generations. And the idea behind it is that God in his infinite wisdom has designed the church to be this, this diverse, you know, multi-ethnic, multi-generational body of Christ. And when people from all generations come together underneath the unity of the spirit, all of us, each of us, we will grow in our faith and we will grow in love with and for one another. And the church grows to become all that God intended for it to be. We see throughout scripture that God values the generations. Several times he implores people to to care for the coming generations, to tell of his works to future generations. And I think that this is really important to us as a church, because here's the thing. If a church is designed for and by people from a certain generation, then that church has a death date. If the church is only meant to reach people in a certain generation, then that church is going to die. It might be 50 years from now. It might be five years from now. But if a church's ministry and programs and styles and preferences are catered around a single generation then the truth is that church is going to die with that generation. And so at Sherwood Oaks, we value multi-generational ministry, not just because we want the ministry of this church to continue long after we're gone, although we do, but we value it because God values it. Because he instructs us to pour into the next generations. And so you see it in our mission statement. Our our mission as a church is to be people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. We don't want to just focus on one generation. We want to spread it out and raise up generations of people who are following Jesus long after we're gone. It's why one of our values is we mentor across generations. We feel like we have so much that we can teach and that we can learn from one another. And if we only spend people, spend time with people who are in our age and stage of life, then we miss out so much on the beauty and, and, and what God wants to teach us as being a part of the church. And so we value multi-generational ministry because we see that God values it and because we want the generations that are coming up behind us to know, love, and follow Jesus. And so last couple of weeks, we have been looking at, at a, a couple of different generations. Traditionalists, 
show us the value of commitment and sacrifice. Boomers show us the importance of a personal relationship with the Lord. And and in the same way that those two generations kind of teach us and help us see that aspect of God's nature and character and what it means to follow him, Gen X shows us the beauty of meaningful relationships and the importance of a faith that is real. And each week we want to kind of give some background on, on the generation that we're focusing on because we believe that an important piece to understanding and appreciating one another is knowing the events and the experiences that shaped um, who we are and, and, and what our values are. That as we understand where people have come from and kind of what informs who they are and what they value, then we'll be able to grow in empathy for one another instead of just writing off our differences and, and, and saying, well, that's not how I do it or that's not how I like it. We begin to understand what makes us who we are within our various generations. And so we wanna give a little bit of context and understanding and some history behind what makes the generations kind of who they are. And we're painting with a very broad brush, which you have to do sometimes when you talk about generations. But you know, sociologists see, and, and we see it in our own experiences, that there is some common threads in the generations that we can learn from. And a lot of that is because of the shaping events that happened as that generation was growing up. And one of the shaping events for Gen X is, is they were being squished. This generation is 25% smaller than the boomers before them and the millennials after them. And people in their parents' generation, um, just statistically, they had fewer kids than, than other generations. And because children were no longer viewed as the best way to, to find happiness. In fact, if you, if you want to kind of begin to understand the psyche of those of us in Gen X, here's, here's all that you need to know. One study during this time found that children had dropped behind automobiles on the list of what made people happy. <laughs> so Gen X was kind of shaped by being There were fewer of them, and they kind of felt like, where do I belong? Am I even wanted? Gen X was also shaped by rising divorce rates. This generation was the first to experience this unprecedented change in the family structure. The the percentages of of homes without both parents doubled to 30% during their formative years. And many Gen Xers, in this search for family, turned to one another. They turned to, to friends. They kind of left their nuclear families behind and some of maybe even the dysfunction of those families. And they came together and formed deep, authentic, meaningful friendships. I mean, it's one of the reasons why the sitcom Friends uh, grew with such popularity with Gen Xers. That was kind of like the story of their, their life. And this generation was also shaped by downward mobility. Uh, They missed the growth of the economy, but man, they arrived just in time for the growth in prices and debt. (laughs) And the college degree became even more important. The cost of that degree quadrupled. And as a whole, Xers were the first generation to kind of start their adult lives with a boatload of debt. And all of this led Gen X to developing skepticism and sarcasm that drove other generations crazy, but kind of served as a coping mechanism 
for this generation as they dealt with the reality of their life. They, they had seen and heard all of these things from people saying, yeah, this is the American dream. And once you get here, life's going to be awesome. And then they got to that place and, and expectation didn't quite align with reality. And they formed just this skepticism uh, with, within them. Their trademark defiant attitudes grew. And many of this generation were and continue to be prone to cynicism. Uh, it's one of the weaknesses of our generation, but a strength side of it is that we've also produced some of the best sitcoms in American television history because of that cynicism and sarcasm. Or from all of these shaping events, Gen X has brought some real spiritual strengths. They, they've kind of led the charge for the church towards reclaiming community doing life with one another. Gen X deeply values authentic, meaningful relationships. And, and, and things like finding a faith family or finding a faith community became high values to this generation and really what they began to look for and foster within the church. Many Gen Xers value life and family over work. We heard, heard Joel talk about it. And they saw their families crumble under the weight of the American dream and the search for self-fulfillment. And they looked at it and they're like, I don't think I want to go that direction. And so they kind of swung the pendulum to the other side and focused heavily on their children and on their families. They, they stopped pursuing a work-life balance and started practicing a life-work balance. And they also focused on living a more integrated life they weren't interested in, in dividing things up between sacred and secular. If, if they were people of faith who were pursuing a relationship with Jesus, then that dividing line no longer existed. Everything was sacred. And they adopted that type of mentality into their work, into their families, into serving in the community and in serving in the church they wanted their lives, entire lives, to be an act of worship. And, and worship to them is not just what they did one hour a week on Sunday morning. So their motto was, don't talk about your faith, live it. And this is the first generation to live in the postmodern era. And so while generations before them who kind of grew up in, in modernity, the question that they were asking was, is it true? Is it true? But the postmodern generations that started with Gen X, they, they're not as concerned with, is it true? Their question is, is it real? Is it meaningful? Is there substance to it? Is it making a difference? Does your faith make a real difference in your life and in the lives of others? And if it does, then show me because I might be interested in a faith like that. And so they're not as interested in having deep conversations about what is truth. They're interested in coming together, going out and living out their faith in service towards others. And it's really just a focus of, of Paul's words in Romans chapter 12. The, the question that we're exploring today that's inspired by our Gen X brothers and sisters in our church family is this, what, is it, what does it look like for us to live out our faith? And I think Romans 12 gives us just some great insight as we answer this question, look at it with me. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse one. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And really what Paul is talking about in these introductory verses to Romans chapter 12 is what it looks like for your faith life to be integrated with your life life. Like, like, Everything of who we are being surrendered over to the Lord as an act of praise and worship, as a, as a living sacrifice to him in view of everything that he has done for us. And it starts with giving your physical body to the Lord. That, that instead of using our bodies that we live in for our own purposes and pursuit and pleasure, we use them to glorify God and to serve him. This, this imagery that Paul uses as a living sacrifice, it, we see it all throughout the Old Testament, but Paul's basically just saying, you lay yourself down on the altar of God and you say, God, here I am. Like, like Gabriel read for us earlier, here I am, send me, use me for your glory. In light of everything you have done for me, it is the least I can do and give back to you. And so yielding your bodies to Christ is an appropriate response to what God has given us in Christ and it allows him to continue his work through us. Next, Paul instructs us to give our minds to the Lord. It's a common theme that we read in, in Paul's letters. In fact, we see it in Colossians chapter three, verses two and three. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When your faith in Christ and your life on this earth are truly integrated, there is a transformation that takes place in our minds as the Holy Spirit turns us from focusing on things of ourselves and in this world to the things of God. And we become more spiritually minded and are no longer consumed by or conform to the pattern of this world. We are shaped and formed by the living word in us, by, by prayer and our hearts align to the, to the Lord's. And we begin to desire what he desires. And if Jesus teaches us anything, it's that God desires more of us. He desires more of you. And he desires for you to take that love that you have received in him and share it with others, with those who are broken and hurting and who feel lost in this world, who are longing for a home but are too blinded by their sin to find their way. He's opening up his arms to them and to us, and, and, and he's giving us a place and a people to whom we can belong. And he sends us out on mission together to share his love and to build his kingdom here on earth. He's called us to so much more than just gathering on Sunday mornings. He's called us to go and redeem and restore and renew in this world what sin has broken. And he's called us to do it together. Look at verse three. Paul continues and he says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And for just as each of us has one body with many members 
And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And we all receive the same saving grace. But God, in his equipping grace, gives us different gifts, different abilities. And as we use them for the good of the church and to serve others, then we come and we we form the body of Christ. Each one of us who are in Christ, we have been given spiritual gifts. And, and, And not only does our church become stronger, but our faith grows as we serve alongside of one another. And then the the added benefit is that we grow in love and deeper appreciation for one another. Instead of looking around and seeing all the ways that we are different and maybe becoming a little critical of those differences, we realize that each of us have a different, unique part to play in forming the body of Christ and fulfilling his mission. When we were in Rhode Island, there were two guys in our church um, that just didn't seem to see eye to eye on anything. Uh, like they shared the same faith and that was about it from, from my <laughs> estimation of their relationship. One spring we offered an event called Car Care. And at, and at Car Care, uh, man, I love, I love this event. We would invite single moms and widows uh, from our community uh, to, to register and, and they would bring their car in on a Saturday morning and we would change their oil. We would do some basic maintenance on there. Uh, we'd have some mechanics on site who would kind of look over their car and give them a, a little bit of a diagnostic report. And they knew like, nobody's trying to sell me on anything. They knew, Hey, this is some things that, that we need to get done. Uh, and, and then we also did the dollar club at our church in, in, in Rhode Island. And there were several times where, you know, somebody would look at him like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. And we were able to come alongside of them through the dollar club and, and help with some of the expenses on, on uh, caring for their, their car. And while we were caring for their cars outside, we had a group of people in our office complex that were caring for these women. And so we had people who were giving manicures and, and pedicures. Uh, we had local uh, uh, college uh, where people were training to become masseuses and they would come and actually give massages to these ladies while they waited on their car. We had a nice big breakfast for them. We just wanted to um, overwhelm them with love and gratitude uh, for for who they are and just what they've been through and show them the love of Christ. Um, Well, these two men signed up to serve that that first car care. And, And it was really interesting to kind of watch how they served together through the course of that morning. Because they both had different gifts. One was very much administratively gifted. And so he sat there and he checked the ladies in as they came in. He made sure that we had the make model and year of their car right, that we had the fuel filter that they needed. Um, if there was anything else that we needed, we had a run crew that would go and, 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 and grab it so that we could, so we could have it. And so Vernon would check all of them in. And then Eric was a little bit more mechanically minded. And so Eric was there servicing the cars, getting dirty, you know, making sure that everything was running smoothly on that side of it. And what I saw is that these two men who had so many things different from one another began to value what they could do together that was better than if they did it by themselves. 
really what I saw that morning was the hand looking at the foot going, wow, you're kind of important. (laughs) Maybe I need you. And these two men learned the beauty of the body of Christ and in fact took on that event and served together every year that we did it after that. God created us with limits so that we would realize our dependency on him and our need for one another. And in the last part of our text today, Paul gives us some really good gospel-shaped advice for these new, diverse, multi-generational relationships that Christ invites us into. It's almost as if he knew that we might not all get along all the time or see eye to eye. And so he gives us some advice for how to live and love one another. I'm going to read these verses. And as I do, I just, I encourage you to, to reflect on them. Follow along up on the screen, your, your Bible, your Bible app, if you have that open. And if there's one of these that just kind of stands out, somehow, some way, just make a note of it, mental note, jot it down on your phone. Because this morning, and I, and I believe that, that the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It has the ability to cut through bone and marrow, to separate, that God uses his word to teach us, to instruct us, to shape us like a skilled surgeon And so if there's something that that resonates in your heart and your mind while I read this, I encourage you, just make a note of it because it might be the voice of the Lord speaking to you from his word this morning. Paul writes, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. This is a verse that's been sticking with me over the last couple of weeks. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And we don't do this for the result, but it's certainly maybe an added benefit. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. (laughs) Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As a Gen Xer, I'll tell you, these are some of my favorite words in Scripture that define what authentic Christian community is begins to look like. 
And as a pastor, I can't help but imagine what it would be like to be a part of a community like this, a community that values relationships above preferences, a community that puts the needs of others above their own, that is devoted to one another and willing to work out their differences, to have hard conversations, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that practices patience and prayer towards others, even their enemies. And that submits their entire lives to the Lord, their will, their minds, and their body. And one of the greatest blessings I have in ministry is that I get a front row seat to watch what God is doing in the lives of those in our church. Every Sunday morning, I count it an incredible blessing to stand here and to watch the Spirit move in many of you. And I am so proud to be a part of a church that is living these things out, that's willing to have hard conversations with one another, that's willing to, to, to work through things in a spirit of love and humility and graciousness. I, I have seen how life groups have come alongside and they have, they have rejoiced when others rejoiced and they have mourned when others have mourned. This is the type of transformed, authentic, relational community that we are striving to be at Sherwood Oaks. And it's the type of community that Gen X has modeled so well for us in our church. But more importantly, I think it's the community that Paul calls us to and that Jesus invites us to. And I know that there are several areas in these verses that I've read today where I still have a lot of room to grow. <laughs> and I imagine you do too. And so as we close today, I kind of want to just share two points of applications before we head off. Number one, when you consider Paul's words in Romans chapter 12, is there an area of your faith where you need to grow in? Are you conforming to the world with a little bit of Jesus on the side? Or are you surrendering your whole life, your body, your mind, your will to him? Are you using your gifts and abilities to serve others? Or are you kind of sitting on the sidelines enjoying being served by others? Are you enjoying rich, authentic community with other followers of Jesus growing in your love for him and for one another? Is there an area in Romans 12 where you need to grow? And if so, what's your next step? Maybe for you, your next step is to, to head out to the welcome desk and to say, you know what, I, I think it's time for me to, to serve in a ministry. And I don't know where to begin. I don't know really what to do, but I know I need to get off the sideline, get into the game and start, start serving, start using my part in the body of Christ. And, and if that's you, we want to help you find a place where you can serve in our church or in our community. And so we invite you to take that next step. Or maybe it's joining a life group, joining a men's Bible study, joining a women's Bible study, joining some other group of folks who are wanting to move in the same direction that you're wanting to move and grow in your love for one another and for the Lord. What's your next step as you begin to live out your faith even more? 
And then the second challenge, it's the same one that we give at the end of each week of this series. We challenge you to spend time with someone from the Gen X generation this week. Ask about their life, their relationships, the lessons they're learning about living in authentic faith, the struggles that they're having, really determining what does this mean that my faith influences every part of my life. Learn from them, teach them what you've learned about that as well. Learn about the causes that matter to them and how they're striving to make a difference. And if possible, join them in what they're doing to serve in the church or in our community to make a difference. As a church, let's honor this generation and grow in our own faith as we develop meaningful relationships with one another in a faith that is real. And in doing so, we will learn to not only love one another more, but to follow Jesus more. Just stand with me and I'll close this off with prayer. God, thanks for your word. And uh, thank you for how it shapes us and molds us. Thank you that through Jesus, we have been invited into a relationship with you. We have been equipped to go out and to serve you. And Lord, I am so grateful that you did not call us to do that in solidarity or in solitude, but you have invited us to do it together in the context of community. And Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for those in the Gen X generation that have modeled this for us, that value this, that push us even as a church towards this. And I pray God that we will take further steps into that as we grow in unity as the body of Christ and as we grow in what it means to follow you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.